In this simple reminder, we identify the four sources of thoughts and take a close look at how to take every thought captive to Christ in everyday life. A simple and helpful word to guard our mind and keep our thoughts holy and pure. Okay, let's turn our Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. We're going to just read that scripture and then we're going to stand up and make our declaration this morning. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. Paul here is talking about uh, the, the weapons that we have, our spiritual armor, uh, as we fight against demonic powers, against principalities and powers and uh, wicked spirits. And he says, this is our armor. And as part of that armor, in verse 17, Ephesians 6, he says, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So part of our spiritual armor, the sword, is the word of God. God's word is our spiritual weapon of offense against the enemy. And he says, you take it, which means I must use the sword. The Holy Spirit is not going to come and do it for me, but I must use it. You take the sword of the spirit which is the word of God. So God's word is that weapon. And how do we use that word? You use it by speaking it out of your mouth. By you and me declaring that word, the word of God proceeding out of our mouth, the spoken word of God, is how we use the soul of the spirit in our lives. So that's why we try to uh, remind ourselves Sunday after Sunday as we make our declaration that we need to speak the word of God. We need to say what God has said about our lives, about our circumstances, our situations, because that is us taking the sword of the Spirit. Amen? So let's stand up to our feet now, and we're going to make our declaration. So if you brought your Bible, I want you to hold up high up in the air, and let's say this out loud, bold, and strong together. This is God's Word. This is God speaking to me. I am what God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of His blessing to many people. I receive His word. I believe his word and I live by his word. Christ is my master and to him I am in absolute surrender in Jesus name. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated please. Like I mentioned last Sunday, uh, later in the month of June, that's uh, the third Sunday of June, June 21st, uh, we're going to uh, embark on an exciting series. It's called Timeless Principles for the Workplace. We've uh, not done that before in church, in service like this. So it's going to be uh, something that we do uh, like the first time. And uh, we're going to stay on that for about eight weeks, all the way through August 9th. And basically we'll talk about very, uh, very relevant things from, from God's Word, on timeless principles 
for the workplace. We'll talk, start talking about things like you know, uh, your personal vision, uh, how to have a career plan, uh, and what are some workplace, right workplace attitudes when you go to the workplace. What are the biblical attitudes that you need to go with? Uh, we will then get into some things that are more organizational related. We'll talk about uh, the vision, uh, the vision, mission, and values of an organization. We'll talk about organizational design and structure. We'll talk about uh, competitive strategy. We'll talk about innovation and creativity. We'll talk about several things uh, that deal with the organization all from the word of God. And then we'll talk about things that are related to the, work, uh, to the workplace, things like work-life balance. How, how do you uh, balance uh, that? We are all busy working uh, many hours every day, work-life balance. We'll, uh, we'll talk about some of those kinds of things. We'll talk about workplace relationships, how do you manage your relationships in the workplace. Uh, then we'll also get into kingdom entrepreneurship. How, how you know, what does it mean to be an entrepreneur? How, how do you uh, do things that are new, innovative? Uh, and we'll talk about all of these things uh, spread over those eight weeks. I'll be getting a book ready also for that when we launch that series on the 21st of June. And uh, we really want to, uh, because we realize so many of us here are spending so much of our time in the workplace. We need to know what the Word of God says concerning various things that we encounter. Some of you may be in finance. So what is the word we talk about? We have a session on corporate finance. What does the Word of God say concerning finance? Some of us, some of us are in HR. So we'll have a chapter on uh, people, processes, performance, and rewards. Or what does the Bible say on it, right? So we want to look at all of these things concerning the workplace, concerning organizations from the Word of God. And we will start on the 21st of June. It'd be a great opportunity to invite your bosses. <laughs> Say, boss, you really need to hear this. is a free seminar, eight-week seminar. <laughs> you don't have to pay anything, just show up. Sunday morning. Uh, so... We're actually going to open it up to many people, invite them, we encourage you to invite them, we'll have these invites ready for you, so you can invite people from your workplace, say just come, listen, there's eight, eight Sundays, it's free, uh, but it's from a scriptural standpoint, uh, so we'll do that. So these two Sundays, today, the 7th and the 14th, are just short messages that will, uh, that are just uh, individual separate messages to help us in our walk with the Lord, but I just want us to be ready for that. Uh, what is coming up from the 21st of June, and start thinking about people in your workplace that you can invite, how you can get them here, so they can listen. Let people know that the Word of God has things that were spoken thousands of years ago, but are still relevant today. And you'll be surprised how much there is. And dealing with all areas of the workplace, you'll, you'll be surprised. So we'll begin that journey on the 21st. This morning... Uh, I just want to speak to us on a very, very simple message. Uh, many of us have probably heard this before, so it's not necessarily something new. Uh, but it's a way of reminder to us about a certain aspect of our Christian life, and it has to do with our minds and the thoughts that go on in our minds. Our thoughts are very important, the kind of thoughts we permit in our minds. Our thoughts can affect our mood. You have a good thought, you feel happy. You have a depressing thought, you feel sad. Uh, and, and, and our thoughts not only affect our mood, but our thought of thoughts affect our behavior, how we behave. They also influence our habits, and thoughts can actually become a lifestyle. 
He talked to the person who's uh, an alcoholic and he asked him, you know, how did you become an alcoholic? I mean, did you go to college to learn how to do this? How did you become this? And in most cases, they could trace it back to a single thought. Somebody told them, come with me to the bar. Right? Somebody told them, yeah, have a drink. It's just like Coca-Cola. You know, or a thought came, well, you need to graduate from Coca-Cola to something more manly. <laughs> a thought came. It began with a thought. And they healed, they embraced that thought. They began to participate in that thought. And soon that became a behavior, a habit, and then eventually it became a lifestyle. So we can always, we can trace things back. Our habits, our behaviors, our lifestyle to a single thought. That's the power of thought. Now, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, it commands us, it says, Paul writing here in Philippians 4 8, he says, finally brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there is any virtue, if there is any, anything praiseworthy, meditate or think upon these kinds of things. So you look at this list. God is saying, I want you to think about these kinds of things. I want you to be engaged in this kind of thought processes. Think about things that are true, noble, just, pure, lovely. Uh, things that are honest or good report. If there's something that you can praise God about, think on these things. Now, what we must understand is that if God gave us a command, it means it's doable. Otherwise, it'll just be making fun of us, right? He wouldn't give us a command that is not practicable or not practical. The fact that God said, I want you to think on these things, it means we can do that. It's possible. Otherwise, He wouldn't give that command to us. Think on these kinds of things. Let your mind be occupied with these kinds of thoughts. But all of us, including me, will be quick to admit that we are not able or we don't consistently maintain that. But we do have wrong thoughts. When we say wrong thoughts, it could be all kinds of wrong thoughts. It could be lustful thoughts, evil thoughts, fearful thoughts, negative thoughts. It could be sometimes depressing thoughts, sometimes suicidal thoughts, all kinds of wrong thoughts. And I think all of us here would say, you know, I have all those things going on in my mind. I have these things. And for some of us, it's not just about thoughts that come, but the fact is sometimes these thoughts nag us. Meaning they are constantly Knowing away on your mind and occupying time, your thought time. And you want to get rid of it, but it's not going, it's there. It could be a thought of fear. You know, maybe tomorrow is your, you know, some exam or an interview or a presentation. And, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, you always started worrying about that. <laughs> and it's always, oh, what's going to happen? What's going to happen? What if I mess it up? What if I forget what I have to say? And it a fearful thought or a thought of failure, something that just gnaw away your mind and, 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 and just occupies so much of it. It can drain our emotional strength, our energy. 
And, and so all of us admit that, look, we, we, we have wrong thoughts, negative thoughts, all kinds of wrong thoughts going on in our mind. But this morning we want to talk briefly and say, you know, so how do we handle these thoughts? How do we counter these wrong thoughts? How do we fight against these things? And how do we progressively come to a place where we can actually do what God said in Philippians 4.8? That we can actually have our mind occupied with things that are true and just and noble and righteous and praiseworthy. And, and, and how can we come to that place? Because we know that place is attainable. It's, it's within our reach because God commanded that for us. But how do we get there uh, given that fact that we all have these wrong thoughts? And so we want to talk a bit about that this morning. But let's first of all begin by identifying four sources of thoughts. Four sources of thoughts. Where do these thoughts come from? And, 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 and depending on the, that, where the thoughts come from, I can deal with it separately. And I, I want us to understand there are four sources from which thoughts come. First, of course, very obvious, is our own thoughts. Our own mind is at work. We have our own thoughts. We think things. But here's something very basic, probably very elementary, and yet I feel some, that we need to emphasize this. We must all understand that your mind is yours. God gave it to you and therefore you have the power to determine what goes on there. You agree with me? So put your right hand up. Say this with me. My mind is mine. God gave it to me. I have the power to determine what goes on in my mind. Now, this is very simple, but I think it's very important that your mind is yours. It's not the devil's. It's not your neighbor's. It's yours. God gave it to you. That means you have the power at any time to determine what goes on in your mind, what occupies your mind. You have the right to and there are several scriptures that teach us as believers uh, concerning things in the mind. Like we said in Philippians 4.8, the Bible tells us to think on these kinds of things, occupy your mind with these things. In 2 Timothy and 1 verse 7, I'm just going through this fast because most of us know these verses. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1 verse 7, the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So let's say this together. God has given me. A sound mind. You know, a sound mind has a sound memory, a sound concentration, and a sound understanding. That's characteristic of a sound mind. So that's what God's given you. A sound memory, a sound concentration, a sound understanding. That's yours. We all know that through the cross of Jesus, what Jesus did for us on the cross, there is wholeness given to us. Wholeness of mind, emotional and mental wholeness is yours. Through the cross of Jesus Christ. Because Isaiah 53 verse 5 says, The punishment that brought us wholeness was upon him. So wholeness is yours. Mental, emotional wholeness. As believers, we have the ability to walk in perfect peace. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. His mind will stay on thee. So if I make the choice to put my mind on the Lord... I can walk in perfect peace. That's available for all of us. 
Our mind is ours. God gave it. Your mind is yours. God gave it to you. You determine what goes on there. You have a right to protect your mind. Amen? The second source of thoughts is other people's thoughts. What other people say. Now what other people say can come to us in so many ways. By them speaking to us. We read the newspaper. Watch television. On the internet. Uh, you read stuff. You read books. All of that are mediums by which other people's thoughts are communicated to you. And that's part of the learning process. We learn. We listen to other people. We learn. We expand our knowledge base. Uh, and, and to some extent, all of that is good. If we are careful in what we let come into our minds. But we just can't be so open-minded that we just let anybody say anything and, and let it come into our minds. Right? We've got to check. You've got to have an entry point, checkpoint. Is that something I want to embrace? Is that something I want to let come into my mind? Is that valid? Is that true? Is that noble? Is that just? Is that praiseworthy? Then I will embrace it. Otherwise, you know, I heard one preacher say, you can be so open-minded that your brains fall out. <laughs> so you don't want to get that open-minded, right? Where you don't have brains of your own, it's just gone. Because you are embracing everything out there. And of course, you and I, we can't embrace everything out there because people can say what they want to say. We cannot stop people from saying what they want to say. Anybody can write any blog. People, your friends around you in school or college, they can make any kind of comment about you. You can't prevent that. But they can say what they want to say. They can have their opinion. Every man's right uh, has a right to his or her own opinion. That's fine. We can't prevent that. Uh, what we can do is we can determine whether we are going to embrace that thought or not. We can decide, am I going to accept it or am I going to reject it? Because my mind is mine. God gave it to me. And I decide what I'm going to let go on in my mind. Amen? So there's a, that's another source of thought. And sometimes we get so upset. He said this about me. Listen, so what if he said that about you? Somebody else has a right to say what they want to say, but you have the right to reject the thought. No, sorry, I'm not going to accept that. If somebody says I'm a failure, I reject it. Rather than, oh no, he said I'm a failure. Come on. Anybody can say whatever they want to say. Let them say it. I can't stop them from saying it, but I can prevent, I can reject that thought or what they've said. Right? So don't let the wrong things people say about you affect you. Because your mind is yours. You guard your mind. Don't let it affect you. The third source of thought, and this is so wonderful, is that God's thoughts can become our thoughts. God, though his thoughts, his ways, can now become part of our thinking and our way of doing things. And God's thoughts are revealed to us, and God's ways are revealed to us in his word and also by his Holy Spirit. The word of God has been given to us so that we can learn, that we can discover the thoughts and the ways of God. If you want to know what God is thinking, it's given to us in the scriptures. In all, the, in all his interactions with people, in the, the, the truths that has been written there through the prophets and others. It's God's word, thoughts and God's ways being given to us in a medium in which we can embrace it. 
She said, why did God put it in a book? I don't like book. I like videos. God should make a video and download it to me. Sure, somebody could convert that book into video. What's the video? So God's put it in a language and a form that you and I can connect with. What if, you know, God always showed up and wrote something new on the clouds? Some people can't see that far. Some people may not be able to understand it. If he wrote it in English, some other language will understand it. See, also sometimes we wonder why God gave me a book. Because he just was trying to be reasonable. He was trying to reach you and me in a, in a medium that you and I can relate to. His word in written form, printed form, or other medium that's coming to us. So, in Isaiah 55, verse 7 to 9, God says, Let the wicked man forsake his way, and the unrighteous man his thoughts, and let him return to God, for he will uh, have mercy, he will abundantly pardon. So he's saying, look, I want to challenge you. I want you to let go of your wicked thoughts, your worldly thoughts, your unrighteous thoughts. Come to me, return to me, come back to me. I will forgive you. And then he says in verse uh, 8 and 9, For my ways are not your ways, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So God is saying, I'm willing to give you my thoughts and my ways if you come to me. But I'm warning you, there's a huge gap between the way I think and the way you guys think. And there's a huge gap between the way I do things and the way you guys do things. I'm warning you. His ways and his thoughts are far superior to the highest of man's thoughts and man's ways. Far superior. And that's why some of the noblest of men and women are unable to comprehend God's ways and God's thoughts. And yet some of the least among us are so easily understanding and embracing God's ways and God's thoughts. Why? Because to transcend the gap between our ways of thinking and God's ways, what is one requirement is you must be like a child. Childlikeness. He said, unless you be like one of these children, you cannot get in, you cannot see, you cannot comprehend, you cannot understand the kingdom of God. So the gap is so big, but it can be bridged through a willingness to be childlike and say, God, I'll embrace your thoughts and your ways. Right? So there is that gap. And the other way, to, the written word brings God's word and God's thoughts and God's ways to us. There is the other way that we receive God's thoughts in the now, in the moment, in every situation, and that's by the Holy Spirit. And just two scriptures on this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 10. Talking about the ministry of the Holy Spirit, the Bible says that God has revealed them to us by His Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. So here you have the Holy Spirit who searches, who knows all the deep things of God. He knows everything. And He's revealing them, revealing them to you and me by His Spirit. The Holy Spirit is revealing the mind of God to you and me. That's why in that same passage, and I'm skipping all the verses in between, I'm going right down to the last verse, verse 16. It says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? I mean, which man can know God's thoughts that you can advise God? You know? It says, Who has known the mind of the Lord that He may instruct Him? But then He says, But we have the mind of That means, look, 
We can have his thoughts and his ways in us. We have the mind of Christ. We have access to it. How? Because God reveals them to us by his Holy Spirit is revealing the thoughts and mind of God. So in your everyday life, in a situation when you need to make decisions, you pause and you say, God, reveal your mind. What are you saying? I want to know your mind. What are you saying about this? And the Holy Spirit is there to reveal the mind of God to you and me. So that's the third source of thoughts. God's thoughts being given to us. The fourth source of thoughts is demonic thoughts. The devil when I say devil, I'm using a, comp a, you know, a complete word, but it literally means his wicked spirits. The devil can interject our norm normal thought processes with his thoughts, the wrong thoughts. So that's another source of thoughts. So for instance, if you have some lustful thoughts, some evil thought, you pause and think, where could this have come from? Do I want to think like this? No. So where is it coming from? It can't be God. And there's no, no person around me saying it. So obviously it's from the devil. It's the devil who interjects our normal thought processes with wrong thoughts. It could be evil thoughts, lustful thoughts, fateful thoughts, anxious thoughts. It could be all kinds of things. Suicidal thoughts, depressing thoughts. Life is not worth kind of living, uh, life is not worth living kind of thoughts. You're going to be a failure kind of thoughts. All these wrong thoughts, the devil can interject in our minds. So how do you know that? Well, one example to look at is in Matthew chapter 4, the temptation of Jesus. And many of us are very familiar with it. We know that Jesus spent 40 days out in the wilderness, outside of the city of Jerusalem. He was fasting 40 days. At the end of the 40 days, the, de the Bible says the devil came and tempted him. Three of those temptations are recorded for us. He said, if you are the son of God, command the stone to be made bread. And then the Bible says he took Jesus up to a high mountain and he showed him all the kingdoms of this world in a moment of time. And he said, I'll give you all this, you bow down and worship me. And then the, and the third one says that he took Jesus to the pinnacle of the temple. Now, there was Jesus in the wilderness. The temple was in the city of Jerusalem. He says he took Jesus up to the pinnacle of the temple and he said he jumped from here. Everybody will, the angels will hold you up and uh, you know, everybody will clap and bow down before you. Uh, so these three things. Now, many of us think, oh, the devil came to Jesus in a physical form. Say, hello, I'm Mr. D. Evil. <laughs> I've come here to tempt you. Uh, can you command that stone to be made? We think like that, but that's not how it happened. Why? Because uh, Hebrews chapter 4 says that Jesus was tempted in all points like as we are. The same way we are tempted, he was tempted. Now I ask you a question. When the devil tempts you, does he appear to you in a black suit with a pitchfork and a long tail? Does he appear to you like that and says, hello, I'm here to tempt you? Of course not. How does do the devil's temptations come to us? It comes to us in the And the other thing, if you look at Jesus, where was he? He was in the wilderness. How long would it take to climb up that tall mountain? Especially after you've been fasting. And which tall mountain can you climb to see all the kingdoms of this world? There was Jesus in the wilderness. How long would it take for him to go from the wilderness all the way back to Jerusalem? And who let him climb up the pinnacle of the temple? They probably pull him down. Hey, what are you doing? 
So obviously, those temptations were not in the, the manner we think it happened. They were all in the mind. In the minds. In a moment of time, you can travel around the world. You can look at me pretending you're listening to my sermon and you could be in New York. <laughs> or you could be traveling around the world. You know, you could be in, you know, just, I don't know where, <laughs> on a cruise somewhere. In a moment of time, you can travel around in your mind. Right? So, the point I want to make is this. The devil tempted Jesus by interjecting his thoughts, the thought process of Jesus, with wrong thoughts. Thoughts that were tempting. Thoughts that were contrary to the word of God. Thoughts that were suicidal, jump, you know, in the thought. I want to ask you a question. Did Jesus sin? These people might know the answer. <laughs> Did Jesus sin? No. Oh, good. <laughs> no, he didn't. So what's the point? Having a wrong thought come into your mind is not sin. Because Jesus had wrong thoughts come into his mind. But accepting that wrong thought, making that wrong thought yours, and beginning to act on it, that is sin. So you cannot prevent people around you saying wrong things. You can't decide what goes on the billboard. So if you're walking down MG Road or Brigade Road, for that matter, any part of the city, and you lift up your eyes, and like Jesus said, lift up your eyes, lift up your eyes, and, and there happens to be this billboard with you know, a scantily clothed woman or whatever, and, and, and your eyes fall on it, it's not your fault. Did you see it? Don't say no, I didn't see it. <laughs> you did see it. Did it go through your mind? It did go through your mind, because you know what's on that billboard. Have you seen it? Not yet. <laughs> but if you turn around and look at it a second time, or you carry that image with you and begin to engage with it in your mind. That's when you're beginning to sin. See, you can't prevent what comes to you, what comes at you. You can't control that. Whether it's from other people, whether it's from the devil, you can't control that. But, and so you have not sinned by the, by, the, by the fact that some wrong thought has come to your mind. You've not sinned. But the moment you accept it, the moment you believe it, the moment you begin to engage with it, the moment you act it out, that's when sin is taking place. Do we all understand this? Because sometimes people get into a lot of condemnation saying, I have this nagging evil thought come to my mind. So I feel like I'm backslidden. I've run away from God. I, I've lost the Holy Spirit. Listen, just because a nagging evil thought is on your mind, doesn't mean you're sinning. Do you want that thought? No. Do you think it? Do you engage with it? No. Do you go and do it? No. So you're not sinning. It all it means is that you're in that season where the enemy is coming at you constantly with that particular thought. Trying to weaken your will to resist it. But if you stand your ground, you have not sinned. Are you with me? So, understand that. The enemy can also interject our normal thinking with wrong thoughts. But, here's the beautiful thing. 
How did Jesus, what did Jesus do with it when these thoughts came? He countered every wrong thought, every wrong imagination. He countered it with the word of And that is the same thing you and I must learn to do. If, there, if the devil interjects your thought process with this picture of you saying, Oh, listen, you're going, to, you're going to ruin your life. You're going to be out on the streets. The only, you know, with, with your wardrobe on your back and it's going to be a torn shirt. And that's what's going to happen to you. You reject that thought. No, the word of God says, I will be like a tree planted by the rivers of water. I will bring forth my fruit in its season. My leaf will not wither. And whatever I do will Or the devil gives you this beautiful imagination of this big F in your exam. This is what you're going to have. And, and, and No, I reject it. Because his word says, all assuming you've done your studies, okay? <laughs> Having done your studies, <laughs> now when you get that, that big F picture in your mind, say, no, I reject it. Because the word of God says that he blesses me in all the work of mine. He makes me the head and not the tail. He sets me up properly and not beneath. So you reject that picture, that imagination that's coming into your mind. So no, I reject it with the word of God. The devil says, you're going to die prematurely. Say, no, I reject it because his word says, with a long life, he will satisfy me and show me his long life. Right? So you decide how long you want it to be. <laughs> with a long life, he will satisfy me and show me his salvation. Right? So we fight or we counter those wrong thoughts the same way that Jesus did it. With the word of God, reject it. Your mind is yours. God gave it to you. And you can decide what goes on in your mind. Don't let your mind become the devil's playground. Sorry, Dad. Not here. Now, I also want to bring to our attention one more thing. That sometimes the devil can use other people to bring his thoughts to our mind. And you see an example of this in Matthew 16. I think it's verse 21 to uh, 23. Uh, Jesus is just talking to his disciples and he's telling them, uh, look, you know, I'm going to go and be crucified. I have to die. This is going to happen. And then Peter, one of his closest disciples, says, Lord, we'll make sure that that doesn't happen. We're not going to let that happen. And what does Jesus do? He looks at Peter, but he speaks to the source. He says, get thee behind me. But you do not say by the things of God, but you say by the things of man. He rebukes, he identifies, and he rejects this thought as coming from So what was happening? The devil was using one of his closest men to speak the wrong thing. But Jesus identified where it's coming from. He didn't slap Peter on the face. But he rebuked where it's coming from. Devil, you're saying this, get it. So we must understand that sometimes the devil can use people, and not sometimes, but many times, the devil can use people to inundate our world with wrong thoughts. He can, he can use other people to release wrong thoughts even to your mind. And so you need to discern the same test you use. Is it in line with the word of God? Is it true? Is it noble? Is it righteous? Is it pure? Is it holy? If, it's, if it doesn't align itself with the word of God, it's, then I will reject it. I will not accept. And on a global scale, 
We understand the devil is using people to inundate the world, our world, with wrong things. The Bible talks about this in 2 Timothy, or 1 Timothy chapter 4. It talks about the doctrines of demons, meaning the teachings of devils being released into this world through all kinds of people. And so you need to discern. doesn't mean if there is somebody who is uh, maybe highly achieved in the world. He's got triple PhDs after his name. So what? still going to test what he says based on the word of God. Because I know that the devil can use people to infiltrate this world with his thoughts. The Bible calls it the doctrines of demons. And sadly, the church today, I'm just going off a little tangent, but I just need to make some points and come back. The church today is being inundated with the doctrines of devils. I mean, it's shocking, it's shameful. Uh, Recently, Ireland voted uh, uh, to support the gay community. Uh, uh, many of the mainline denominations today, uh, and Ireland is basically essentially a Catholic community, uh, 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 and, and they voted to support homosexuality, essentially. And, and, and so many of our mainline denominations have agreed to appoint gay or lesbian priests. Like, excuse me. How can they preach the Bible? Because the Bible is so clear. Homosexuality is sin. It's demonic. It's not from God. So, do I love the homosexual? Yes, I love him or her. I love the people. But I do not tolerate sin. There's a difference between the lifestyle, the behavior, the action, and the person. God loves the person, but we say no to the sin. The same thing you would do with drinking, alcoholism, or adultery, or any of that kind of thing. You love the person, but you say, you call sin, sin. Would you allow a drunkard to be your priest? If he comes to the pulpit not knowing what he's saying, you wouldn't do that. Then why are we accepting other kinds of sins in our pulpits? Right? So, but these thoughts are coming through some well-meaning, high-positioned, highly educated, highly qualified people. So just because they have the credentials after their name doesn't mean what they're saying is right. You've got to test it by the same standard, which is the word of God. Because you and I understand that the devil can use people to release his thoughts into our lives. Amen? Getting back to the message. So what do we do? The main point I want to emphasize here this morning is this. That your mind is yours. God gave it to you. And you can determine what goes on in your mind. You do, you and I, we do that by the word of God and by listening to the Holy Spirit. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 3 to 5. The Bible gives us very clear instructions. And again, this is a very familiar passage. The Bible gives us very clear instructions on how to deal with things in our minds. Paul writes, he says, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. We, our, our conflict is not fleshly. It's not with human strength. We don't engage in this battle with our own abilities. But he says, but the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. Meaning we've got powerful weapons that have been given to us by God. The weapons of our warfare 
are mighty through God. We've got those weapons. So we've got to use those weapons. God gave it to us. The weapons of our warfare are mighty through God. To the pulling down of strongholds. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing. Every high thing that simply means every reasoning. And every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That means that is, that is a, opposes the truth. Opposes the knowledge of God. Who God is and what he said. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So you notice in this passage, he talks about four kinds of things in the mind. And I like to look at it in the reverse. He talks about thought. He talks about reasoning. He talks about imagination. And then he talks about strongholds. Everything begins with the thought. If you begin to engage with the thought, it becomes a reasoning, meaning a logical argument in your mind. And a reasoning quickly develops into an imagination. Now you've got a picture around that, a visual around it, an imagination. And several of these thoughts then make up a stronghold. A stronghold really is a fortress. It's a fortress made of thoughts. Now the enemy has occupied that area of your mind by force because of an accumulation of many thoughts that are built to that fortress. But the Bible says the weapons God has given to us are powerful. We can demolish strongholds. We can pull down imaginations and reasonings. And we can take every thought captive. That means you cage it. You render it powerless. It cannot do anything now. Take every thought captive with the weapons God has given to us. What are those weapons? The word of God. The very weapon that Jesus Christ used. The word of God. The name of Jesus, the blood of Jesus, are speaking the word of God. These are our weapons. Our faith in God is a weapon. And he says, use these weapons to pull down strongholds. That means if you find that there's a stronghold in your mind, maybe it's fear. Maybe it's a poor self-image. Maybe it's, I don't know, a, a, a feeling that your life is going to end up in ruins or whatever. Something that's occupied your mind, you can pull it down with the word of God. Or if it's an imagination that's constantly coming in your mind, you can pull it down. If it's a reasoning that's occupying your mind, you can pull it down. If it's a thought, you can take it captive. What I want to encourage all of us today is that every thought that comes to your mind, if it's a wrong thought, you cannot prevent that thought from coming, but you can keep that thought from staying. Take it captive. Reject it. And as we do that, we will guard our Keep it holy. Let your mind think on things that are true, noble, pure, that align to the word of God, that describe who God wants you to be, or what God wants you to become. Occupy your mind with those kinds of things. Amen. Paint pictures based on the promises of God, the word of God. God's word says that I will have it. That's what I'm going to let occupy my mind. Then you and I, can walk in peace. Right? So when anxious thoughts come, we cast it down, walk in peace. Negative thoughts come, cast it down, walk in the joy of the Lord. You walk in what God has given to us by dealing with the thoughts that come to you. Amen? Let's stand to
I want us all to say this out loud and bold, strong. Let's say this together. My mind is mine. God gave it to me. I determine what will go on in my mind. Thoughts that are true, pure, noble, that are righteous, holy, wise, filled with wisdom. I permit only these thoughts to go on in my mind. I reject wrong thoughts, negative thoughts, thoughts of failure, thoughts of defeat, thoughts of ruin. I reject negative thoughts. I consecrate my mind. I dedicate my mind. I keep it holy. In Jesus' name. Father, we just thank you for your word. And I pray, God, that even by the empowering of your Holy Spirit, even now, there will be freedom, there will be liberty in the minds of people. In Jesus' name, I take authority. Over every work of the enemy. I take authority. Over every yoke and every burden the devil is trying to put on the minds of people. In Jesus name. I destroy it by the power of the Holy Spirit. I set minds free from suicidal thoughts. From depressing thoughts. That are constantly. That have got a grip on their minds. I release you from that in Jesus name. Thoughts of failure, thoughts of fear. I release your mind from it. I break off those demonic yokes and bondages. I declare you free in Jesus' name. In the name of Jesus. And Holy Spirit, I pray that you help each one of us fill our mind with positive thoughts. Based on the word, what you said. Thoughts of success. Because your word says that you will help us make our way prosperous and have good success. Thoughts of triumph because your word says that you always cause us to triumph. Thoughts of of victory and overcoming because your word says that whoever is born of God overcomes the world. Thoughts of fruitfulness and prosperity because your word says that we'll be like trees planted by rivers of water. That we will bring forth our fruit in its season. And whatever we do will prosper. Thoughts of a hope and future. Because your word says that you have a hope and a future for us. That we are blessed with heaven's best. Father we pray. That you help us walk with that sense of victory and triumph and peace and joy. In Jesus name. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the sweet fellowship of his Holy Spirit be with us always. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you all. Happy thinking.
See you again. Have a good Sunday. See you again. We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.